be in this situation where you know you need to rebrand, but you didn't really want to rebrand. What are the challenges that you face and how are you going to get through that? My guest on this episode is the co-founder of a fintech brand, and he's faced those challenges. He's called Yusuf, and I want to find out what it's been like as an experience and where he's ended up. It's a daunting process, and let's find out if he's got any insights that he can share with us. Welcome to Divided by Brand, the podcast aimed at entrepreneurs, business owners, and influencers. If you want to learn from industry experts and you want to listen to advice about how to feel more confident with your brand, then this is the show for you. Join me as I interview inspirational individuals at different stages in their business journey. My name is Dan O'Cock, I'm your host, and I'm a brand identity specialist with over 20 years experience. If you're interested to know if your own brand has all of the key ingredients to attract higher value clients, I've created a scorecard that'll help you do just that. It'll uncover if you're able to attract the right value clients and if your brand matches your ambition. The scorecard can be found by clicking the links button in the player. Yeah, the player that you're listening on, just click the links button and you'll get redirected straight to my scorecard. It's very quick, it's incredibly simple to use, but most of all, it should deliver you some value straight to your inbox with your own customized report, which will have marked you across six core areas of branding. And I know you'll agree, that is quite long enough for a podcast intro. Should we just start the show now? Welcome to the show, Yusuf. It's fantastic to get you on the show. I know we've spent a couple of months um, back and forth, I think really on some of the challenges that that we're about to kind of chat around, but it's really, really good to get you on the show. Welcome is what I'll say. Thanks, Daniel. Yeah, great to be on. And yeah, we've been chatting for a while now, so it's good, good to finally get this recorded. It is, it is. Now, what I like to do um, is open up with a, that classic set of questions that I think every everyone who has a podcast likes to say. But I like to find out what my guests have been doing over the last couple of weeks. And I love hearing about wins, um, three wins from the last two weeks. I think we don't, we're both based in the UK and I don't think we talk about the good stuff that happens enough in business. So tell me what you've been doing. Give me three wins, Yusuf. Oh wow! So jump straight in with three wins from the last from the last couple of weeks. Um, so I guess you know I'll, I'll lead with the biggest one first. Um, we have just completed a big um, rebranding, um, which I'm sure we'll chat about um, a, a yeah. lot today. But you know that included changing our name, changing our visual identity, a little bit of work on tone of voice as well. Um, so that's kind of probably num- you know win number one um, for, from the last few weeks. 
Um, win number two um, is uh, we've onboarded two new people to the team in the middle of the most hectic period and most busy period. Um, and it's always nice to kind of get get new people started um, and just kind of help them get up to speed because it really helps me as well as, you know, as a founder, kind of free up some time to think a bit more, a bit more strategically about, about everything. Um, and win number three, do you want that from the business side of things as well? You can choose. They're good wins so far. So if you want to roll, stick yeah, with it. Cool. So there is one other announcement that we, we also made um, quite recently, which was um, announcing our recent fundraising. So um, we have just raised uh, around £2 million from Anthemis and Octopus Ventures um, and, you know, a bunch of angel investors as well. So I'd say that's, you know, get, getting that over the line um, and, and kind of announcing it and, you know, press and go on everything is, is a pretty big win as well. So, yeah, they're it. probably the three in... in in kind of no particular order, but they, they they all seem, you know, they were all very important for the business. Substantial wins. I love it. And I did read about your, um, obviously the rebrand, I was aware of that, and the finance raising, read about that on LinkedIn. So, I mean, huge congratulations. I can hear it in your voice, you know. Um, there's an upbeat tone that you didn't have there back in, I don't know, was it November when we chatted? You, you, you're upbeat. You, you kind of fired up again, Yusuf. I can hear it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's good to get, like, you know, big projects done. I think probably when we spoke, it was um, uh, about the time that we kind of first realized that we were going to need to do a rebrand. Um, and obviously there's about a you know a million and one things going through your mind at that point. Um, we were a team of, I think probably five people back then as well. Um, you know, and in, in London now we're nine and we've got four um, across the world as well. Um, so yeah, things definitely feel a lot more, you know, in order, well, I, I, you know, at an early stage company, they're, they're never fully in order, but they, no. they definitely feel um, a, a little bit more in place than, than they were probably when we spoke a few months ago absolutely well we're going to come on to the rebrand because i definitely want to um i want to hear about the challenges that you've faced and you know as big as the challenges were what it's been like to come out the other side of that and and i think you've hinted at some of that so we'll definitely come on to that what i'd like to do really for the listeners is just to set the scene of um, a little bit of backstory to you i mean you know you literally have a wealth of experience. There's a horrible pun to put in there, but I, you know, I understand that, you know, your background in finance um, really kind of pushed you into what is now the passion and the, the kind of mission behind the business that, that you are a co-founder of. Let's, before we, ta- before we explain to everybody what the business is that you have and what you run, let's backtrack and just give people... I, I mean, the question that I want to ask is why why FinTech? Tell everybody how you've ended up in, in that domain, if you like. Yeah. So I think, yeah, positioning it as like how I ended up is probably a good way to position it because I think the majority of my career I've kind of you know stumbled in, into things without kind of doing a, a huge deal of, of thinking behind it but it has all seemed to follow a, a, you know a, a decent line and decent trajectory I guess you know if we if we start at the beginning so I went to LSE so the London School of Economics um, between 
2008 and 2011, And I, you know, I, I've still got this vivid memory of, um, I think it was second year of uni, I was sat in the kind of computer rooms with a friend of mine who's the year above, um, and everyone basically in my year was starting to apply for internships. Um, and I had no clue. I didn't know what a bank really did. You know, I didn't know what the accountancy firms did to a certain extent, um, And I, but I just had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, and I was chatting to him, he was a year above, he'd kind of been through the whole process. And he was like, look, why don't you apply for um, some of the banks? Um, to do an internship there. Um, you're pretty good with numbers, so maybe you can apply for something like trading. Um, and, you know, I thought, okay, cool. Um, once again, no idea what that means, but let's go for it. Um, I need to I'll- stop you though. You're pretty good with numbers. Come on, that's an understatement, surely at that stage. <laughs> you're pretty awesome with numbers, I would have guessed. Maybe at that stage I was. I'd say now it's probably just got that, you know, it's, it's worse than kind of as I got older. Um, so, you know, pretty good is, is probably the way to explain it now. But okay. yeah, at that stage, maybe I was a little bit better. Um, sure. But yeah, you know, like... Um, Yeah, so I applied for a bunch of banks uh, for internships there. Um, I remember I kind of got a message back from one of them pretty quickly inviting me for an interview day. Um, Seven or eight interviews later, I was exhausted and it was a firm no from them because like, honestly, I just had no clue what I was saying. You know, they'd asked me about why I wanted to do this and so on and so on. And I I, like, they could tell that I was a bit of a fraud. Um, But I, I, I took that to basically brush up and learn about the industry and, you know, got a few more interviews and ended up getting a a few offers um did my internship with rbs and actually ended up joining them full-time after uh, after graduating as well in their kind of you know investment banking sales and trading side of the business so that's how i kind of first got into finance um And I think like thinking back on it, it, it was logical for me to end up in finance as, as we kind of spoke about, like, you know, yeah. numbers were basically the one thing that I kind of enjoyed doing at school. Um, and so, you know, I think it was natural that I that I ended up in that. I worked for a couple of banks, RBS and Evercore, for about four years altogether, um, and then kind of just decided it was time to leave. I had nothing really lined up. Me and a friend were kind of exploring some ideas, um, but it was more just like knowing that that world wasn't where I saw myself in, you know, 10, 20 years time. And uh, I do kind of make decisions fairly quickly. Um, and when it comes to, you know, something like that, if I if I don't see myself staying long term at a place, um, I do tend to kind of um, c- cut it pretty short. So I, I ended up just leaving, exploring a few ideas with a friend of mine. And it was kind of there that I actually realized that, you know, the reason I left banking wasn't because I didn't like finance. It was actually more to do with the specific work I was doing um, and the specific kind of um, projects I was involved in. So, Let me uh, just ask you, I'm going to jump in because yeah, yeah. I just was intrigued by something you were saying. And I remember when we first chatted, Yusuf, when you have that real, when you were working, you had that realization that things weren't feeling right. And this resonates with a lot of people who don't probably don't yet realize that full-time work's not for them but they have that well they never last long and they hop around quite a few Mm -hmm. different roles was it at that time where you because you 
you said you had something with a friend. Is that what you would sort of class as this classic um, side hustle thing going on? Um, like, yeah, potentially. Like, it was more just like an idea that we were exploring. I wouldn't say it was at the point, you know, in hindsight, you could say I, I jumped too early. It probably wasn't at the point where you would call it a side hustle at that point. Okay. Um, you know, certainly a lot more needed to be set up before we could claim it was a side hustle. Um, but it was in the very early days of kind of exploring an idea in the in the in the recruitment tech space. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think this was 2014, 2015, probably. Um, okay. And it was kind of the time where, um, well, I feel like that for the last decade, you know, tech has been, you know, growing. Um, but I do remember kind of like every everything I'd see around me was, you know, pointing towards actually the future of what we're all doing probably lies in tech. Um, uh, so, you know, for me, that was, uh, I, I do like to take risks. And so that was kind of one of the risks that if I kind of felt that tech was a sector which was growing, I wanted to be in it. Okay. So the, the I think where I was going with that is that, do you feel that that's that passion, this other thing was the thing that pulled you out, that kind of attracted you and drew you to do something if different? I'm being completely honest, I'd say it was more of a push than a pull. So it was knowing okay. that I didn't want to be investment banking, in investment banking was the thing that pushed me out, rather than that kind of idea was, you know, was the thing that pulled me out. Uh, you know, I think I would have fallen out into basically anything. I just kind of knew that I couldn't last much longer in, 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 in that kind of environment. Sure, and hats off for doing it. So tell me what, so you left and then tell me what happened next then. Um, so yeah, so a friend and I were exploring an idea in the recruitment tech space. Um, we ended up kind of joining an accelerator um, and, you know, get, giving it our all for not a huge deal of time, but probably, you know, we're probably full time on it for about, for about nine months. Um, we were kind of building a marketplace for hospitality and retail jobs that look to jump on kind of that, you know, that the bandwagon at that time, which was using the Tinder style, um, uh, swiping to kind of uh, view different jobs, using video CVs as a way to apply instead of, you know, traditional paper CVs. Um, and so kind of what we were doing is trying to build up both sides of the marketplace. Um, and if I'm being honest, you know, uh, the reason why it, it was, you know, just nine months was because I think we both quickly realized that you know as i said it was more being like wanting to leave an industry rather than being super passionate about what we were building and if you don't have the passion in the early days of building a startup you're just not going to succeed um, and so i remember like sales meetings which i you know just to be completely frank you should be super disappointed if you lose a sales meeting or you should be super hungry to win that client and get them over the line and for me yeah. it was more just like oh, I'm, I'm learning here i'm using this as a learning experience rather than really where i see myself kind of in the future um and so you know once again being true to my word of leaving stuff quickly and knowing when i've made a bad decision um very quickly and my friend and i decided this isn't us you know we're we're, we're not we're not the right people to be building this business um and so we, you know, we both started exploring other things. Um, and that was kind of what actually made me kind of fall into fintech, I guess. Yeah. And I had a question, but you've pretty much answered it because I'd put, how important is it to love what you do? And I, and I think, well, I'm going to shut up, but how, how important is it it's to love what you yeah, do? Yeah, it's, it's the most important thing because like in, in the first few years of a company, there are some very difficult times. And if you're not 
super passionate and like um, super motivated for what you're trying to build, you, you can't survive those difficult times. Um, and I've been through that in in various formats now. So the first one, as I said, with with that project that me and a friend were working on, and we just didn't have the passion to to really drive past these difficult times to 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 make it succeed. Um, I've also been through it as an employee at, at Tide. You know, once again, really, uh, we haven't come on to Tide, but you know. Um, um yeah face those difficult times but did go through it because you know i was super passionate about what we're building and then once again obviously now with you know with what we're building and also um uh you know the first few years are difficult they're not all wins and you've really got to be driven to to kind of keep going i love it and i think do you think looking back at those impulse decisions that they are I think it is such a great mantra that if you if you can act, that you act as soon as possible if it's not feeling right. I, I think for me, I've always felt that the long not not with all decisions, right? I don't want to come across as someone who just makes decisions by their gut, you know, very quickly and, and goes. But like with certain decisions, especially kind of leaving a career like bank, like investment banking in the first place it just felt to me like um the longer you keep at it the harder it will be to get away from it and so you know on that side of things on, on the on, on kind of my first job it's because you know my salary would have kept rising i maybe would have got a mortgage and financially it would have been hard to get away from it um with 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 job mines for the project that i was working on um if we'd kept persevering maybe we would have raised a small round and taken on you know extended funding and at that point things do become harder because you feel like you've got someone to answer for um, and so you know i think that was another reason why we made the decision pretty quickly before building out a bigger team before trying to raise money etc etc and so i think there are some things which you know it, it is better if if you're basically you know 100 sure it is better to make the decision quickly and you know just kind of cut cut the ties and, and move on mm, i agree with that i had time in my life where I look back and I do think I wish I'd acted probably in a, a year or two earlier on a decision I made to to leave a business but sometimes you know there isn't it isn't just as clear cut as I'm done you know yeah. um, but when you were saying there that you realised that the longer you stayed in it, the harder it was going to be. I think I'd gone that bit further mm. and I was at the, it's now quite hard to leave. Yeah. Um, it's a funny, it's not actually a very nice feeling when you find yourself and there could be some listeners that are in that situation and it's a, you can feel, you can feel very trapped. Um, and it's, it, it, it is then that you become um, not institutionalised, but you, you, you just, it's not, it's not even fair to say you're a slave to it all, but it's not nice. It's really not a nice feeling doing something that you you really don't deep down think you should be doing. So I just wanted to cover that because I think there's a lot of people that that will resonate with. Um, you then moved to, we'll go on to, we'll do a little bit about Octopus Wealth um, and Tide. Yeah. We, you know, give us a little, a little bit of insight as to how they cropped up and what, what you took on board with those projects yeah. then? So, I, yeah, I guess I'll start with Tide because that happened first. Um, I always think I was super lucky to, to land into that. So um, as a kind of non-technical person, it is very rare to, you know, join a, 
startup in the very early days. Um, but, you know, luckily, as I was, you know, after I stopped working on JobMine and I was starting to think about, you know, what to do next, it was the time where a lot of the digital banks were starting to pop up. So the Monzos, the Starlings and the, the, the Tides as well. Um, just came across a job post, applied to it, met the met the CEO. It was just him and a CTO at the time. I ended up joining them as, as kind of their, their second employee. Um, and yeah, just responsible for, you know, everything product ops and, you know, helping take an idea from his head and, and, and starting to make it real. And, and I just loved that. I loved being, you know, in at the ground um, in a slightly more, um, protected i guess environment than you know if it was your own thing um i loved learning from you know the people that i was working with um and yeah most of all i loved kind of um as i've kind of you know mentioned bringing something to life i remember when we when we launched the product you know after having been working on it for kind of six to twelve months um it was a great feeling just you know starting to see all the people you know all the new users coming in starting to see how they're using the product what they're liking what they're not liking and that that's the part of you know my job which i love um yeah. you know taking ideas kind of bringing them to reality i love that bringing it to life because i even that's a phrase that i use as a brand designer and it is what happens um, you're taking something that's in somebody's head and manifesting it. So as you were just saying there, that product, what does it look like? Well, it's the same with a brand identity. Mm. You know, you have a business that needs to be represented visually in the world. Mm. Let's get it out of your head. It's a very exciting thing to have happen, you know, manifest an idea regardless of whether it's a product, a service, yeah, an identity. Yeah. There's a buzz about it, isn't there? For sure. Like, we built a, a, a great team that was all super committed, and, you know, it was a stressful period once again. I think in the three years that I was there, we went from literally an idea to, you know, hundreds of thousands of businesses using Tide as their bank account. Um, and this is, yeah, banking. You know, you're, you're talking to people about kind of the, the source of, you know, of, of, of kind of their, their money for their business. You had to be on it, like, you know, 100% of the time basically um, uh, and it was just a yeah great experience like you know the the kind of behind the scenes of how to make a, a business tick they were some lessons that I don't think I would have been able to learn anywhere else or like joining a later stage startup I wouldn't have learned them anywhere near to the extent that I did at Tide so yeah it's kind of why I say you know I think I was just super lucky to, to find that role at the time that I did um, because you don't get those opportunities very much in life and you know in the cases you do um, you know like you know Tide's Tide's still doing pretty well and uh, it was nice to be part of that that journey for you know three or so years um and yeah learn a lot from them so um yeah no super fortunate for that what did you learn about brand when you were doing the work there i mean you said that that was your you were taking this product and you were bringing it to life what did you learn anything about brand in that role to be completely honest i think it was something that at that time in my career, I probably placed less importance on. Um, I, I guess for two reasons. One, I was more on the product and ops side. And, and secondly, just kind of like being from my, you know, mathematical background and like the way I think is very structured. I think certain things like brand building, um, A, didn't come anywhere near as naturally to me. And I guess B, I, I just didn't see the value off as much as, in, you know, in terms of a fully functioning kind of 
product that delighted the users. But I think one thing kind of towards the end of my time there, I did start seeing was, you know, the difference between, you know, us and other products that were similar to ours who maybe had focused a little bit more on on brand, uh, whose product wasn't, you know, I don't want to name any names, but whose product wasn't, in my opinion, anywhere near the quality the Tides was, but just the way they packaged it up into this incredible like brand and incredible experience meant that you know they were doing, I guess they were a better known company um, and, and and doing better if we're being honest. So it is something that I probably started learning towards the end of my time there when I started really like questioning like okay why are certain things that we're doing not working the way we're, we're, we're we'd like them to when actually the product meets everything that the customers want um, you know is being engaged within the right ways etc etc interesting yeah and i think that a lot of people do depending on their background um business owners or i mean i tend to work a lot with founders yeah and they depending on their background do often have naive attitude to brand and the value that it can bring to the business um I'm wondering if you had any advice for somebody who perhaps is in that situation that you were in, um, in an early stage. Well, I don't even know what stage it would have been at, but what would you say to somebody who's finding that challenge that they've they've got a fantastic product that they know is better and it's not quite performing how they'd expect compared to somebody else. Well, what would you say to somebody who was in the situation that you were in those years ago? Yeah, so I'd say there's probably, you know, two things I think that, that are important. I think first is kind of like, look at the things that you as a consumer get behind and why do you get behind them? And I think that's when you start realizing that actually you make certain decisions because of brands like, you know, the bank account I use, the, um, I'm trying to look around, like things around me, even even certain things like, you know, my phone, I'm, I'm a dev, like devout Apple user. Um, I'm sure if I looked at functionality, you know, Android devices do so much more, but the brand that Apple have built, have built basically means I'm, I'm, I'm kind of not gonna leave them anytime soon. And I think that's kind of one of the things that really started, you know, that I started understanding more. It's like, actually, if I'm, you know, your average consumer, and if the things that I use aren't always the best product, but a lot of times they're the company that I most resonate with, or they are the person that I most resonate with, then there yeah. are others like you, and that's why you've got to focus more on the brand. So that's what I'd say is number one. Number Brilliant. two, for the startup, for the people early stage in their journey, products take time to build and to evolve and to develop. Um, a lot of your customers and your early ambassadors are, are going to join you because of the mission and because of where you're trying to take the business, not because of what the product does today. And if you're not building a good enough brand that kind of helps people understand what you stand for, then they are much less likely because they will look at it in purely uh, like, what does your product do today versus, you know, what does this competitor do today? Whereas like, you know, probably a startup founders uh, in the very early days, you want them kind of getting behind what is your product going to do in a year, two years, five years time 
and getting them really committed and helping you build that. So uh, I don't know if that answers your question, but I'd say they're the two things that kind of probably led me to to place more um, uh, emphasis on you know on on brand development. Yeah, no, I mean, it wasn't specifically a question. It was just that we'll have listeners that will be in a situation that you were in those years ago. And I mm. think those are two incredibly valuable things for them to take on board, especially with the brand, because obviously that's what I do. But um, it does become the experience that you have with a brand that makes you loyal to it, you know? And that's in, in, in a business sense to have loyal customers yeah. is huge um, and, and in a brand from a brand perspective to create that is kind of the ultimate goal so you know I think to to have raised those and look back at um, and be able to pass that on is it's exactly what I was looking to hear so I think they were really really good insights I, I, I um, think that's one thing that yeah like we have focused on quite a lot from day one uh, at Nosso and it's like what is the one part of our of, of our experience that we can fully control and that we can make others really like our customers really love and if I'm being what we decided was the, the number one thing was how they are dealt with from a customer service point of view so we always try to like yes we're a small team but actually that that should work in our favor to deliver the absolute best customer service and i think that's helped us if you look at some of the reviews that get left some of the messages that we get um, a lot of them do focus on you know how how quick and how you know good our customer service is um and yeah for, for me like you, you know that's not a visual brand thing but it is definitely part of our brand identity to make sure that we are just like you know putting our customers first putting those families first and really doing everything we can to help them Perfect segue. I love how you've you've teed that up for me because you've already mentioned um, your business, Nosso. And let's get into it because it wasn't always called Nosso, was it? And I feel like I want to set the scene as to where, where it's come from. I also want to hear, I want you to explain more about your reasons for co-founding what is Nosso mm. and it comes under something that we've already said earlier about doing you know being part of something that uh, means a lot to you and I think as you'll explain this probably stems from your kind of exit from the investment side of things and then the that brand stereotype of investing and being needing to be wealthy in order to invest and then somewhere along the lines becomes this company that you now uh, are a co-founder of and what this business stands for and what it you know what its mission is mm. so give us a little bit of a outline as to what Nosso is yeah. what it was yeah yeah um, so I'll, I'll very quickly start with, you know, w what is Nosso? So um, Nosso is an investment account that parents can open up for their children's to invest for their children's future together. And together is a very key word on this, uh, in this, and I'll ex explain it later. But really, the area that we're trying to focus on is family finance. So every kind of investment product that is available for you today 
that is a single user investment account. Think about your, you know, your pensions, your investment accounts, your ISAs, whatever it is. Chances are you've got one and your partner's got one. Um, and that is also the same when you're investing for your children. And for us, we we kind of thought that was crazy. So we've set out to build this like family investment pot that starts with your, your, your children's futures, allows the grandparents, godparents, and anyone else to get involved in it as well with, you know, key goal in mind of supporting your kids and letting them live kind of a good, and you know um financially healthy life so that's that's kind of what what noso is i think there is yeah. a lot to unravel to kind of um to to kind of uh, help you understand where we started and why we got here um as you kind of mentioned um you know prior to, to starting well, noso which was before then happy which i'm sure we'll come to as well um i i was working for a financial advice firm as their head of product um and that opened my eyes to a few different things firstly it made me really understand the importance of um i'm going to call it financial advice but effectively the importance of knowing what to do with your money um uh, especially you know when you're starting to think long term i think it was the first time that i'd really been um surrounded by kind of such smart people who knew the right things to, to do with their money but unfortunately it also you know showed a different side of the investment world to me which also you mentioned which was um around kind of um I guess kind of like how exclusive and elitist it is to get that level of support that we were giving our clients. You needed to have, yeah. you know, a relatively decent sum of wealth that, um, you know, a lot of the people around me in my life did not. And that was kind of the first thing that made me think like, you know what, I love what we're doing here for our clients, but I just wish we were able to do it to more and more people. So that's the kind of first thing that got me thinking like, okay, I want to do something in, in, in the wealth space. I don't entirely know what it is and what it looks like at the moment, um, but I do know it should be, you know, made more ex uh, inclusive. It should be more open for everyone. And, you know, basically uh, kind of take the financial planning and advice that we were doing for our clients and make it available to everyone. So that's kind of what first, yeah, started setting the seed in my mind. I think you're right because tell me if you agree that that I, I think there is a there's like a brand image there's like not a stigma around uh, having a financial advisor but if I was out having a drink and I said oh yeah I'd meet with my financial advisor the instant image and reaction of a lot of people would be oh dear he must have a bit of money tucked away somewhere mm -hmm. then. You know, there's a. I don't know if it's if it's a generational thing, but I would immediately presume that you have so much wealth yeah. that you need someone to advise you on what to do with it. Yeah, so I think I think part of it is the word financial advice, um, and I think some there's other words as well. So you mentioned the word wealth. Then when we you know we can talk about this more when we talk about our, our new name etc but we were obviously exploring a bunch of different names and one thing that we we did keep finding is that actually the word wealth once again has a similar feeling like when you hear like oh you know i'm we're a wealth manager it's like oh well i'm not wealthy so i can't use you um and so there are certain words in in kind of the the investment space which i think do you know alienate some people um and so you know that is like you know something that that's quite important for us to focus on to to really try to make it super you know understandable and relatable what we do um and you'll see like you know on our website and in other kind of marketing materials we talk a lot about like invest with as little as one pound it's just like 
you, you've kind of got to continuously beat the drum that actually you can literally get started with one pound. Like you don't need to have tens of thousands or more uh, to get started. So it is something that we do, you know, try to focus on just to make sure that our product is as relatable as it can be. Yeah, and that's very much the mission at hand, isn't it? Um, that it's for everybody with this platform, as we'll call it a platform. It's a bit of a kind of downplays it a bit in a way, but that is your goal, isn't it? To make it accessible for everybody and that word together um, plays into it. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. So I think, yeah, accessibility and family are like the the two key things for us. Family, as I kind of mentioned, um, we just feel that like family finance products have been left behind and you know as i mentioned the way they work today is very similar to the way any other kind of you know single user financial services product works but the use cases behind them are so different and so that's why we're designing you know the the products for the real life use cases that parents that families go through exactly and well what i'd like to do is to switch that conversation that we're having now around the business um, into more around the brand. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's actually a good time to bring out um, what's happened in the last six plus months for you as a business and as a brand. So you were formerly known as Happy. And would it be fair to say that, I think it was like we said back in October, November time when we were talking, you'd realised that you needed to rebrand but I think that you it was something you hadn't anticipated or you didn't at the time think that you wanted to rebrand and it just came about yeah so I think I think that's fair I think like when we when we first came up with the name happy we 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 rushed into it we didn't do kind of all the full suite of checks that one should do in terms of trademark checks before before starting a business um, yeah. we liked the name so it's spelled it was spelled h-a-p-i which is after an ancient egyptian god that brought well that kind of flooded the river nile and brought fertile soils to those around the river nile and obviously fertile soils you know mean more money more income more wealth and so we thought of it as like okay this 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 god happy kind of brought wealth to those around it um, we will bring wealth to our customers. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm Egyptian originally as well. And so it was a name that we we really got behind. And also obviously, you know, double meaning, happy, makes you smile, et cetera, et cetera. So Perfect. it felt quite nice with what we're doing. Um, so, you know, it was a name, it was a name that we loved. Um, but it wasn't a brand that we invested in. And I think it's important to kind of differentiate between the both because we could have very easily just changed our name, kept kept um, kept kind of the same brand. But when we realized that we did need to change our name, we took it as an opportunity to really invest in our brand and, you know, build this trusted, relatable, um, you know, a- a- approachable kind of bra- uh, brand and company that, that that our customers can, can really, you know, get behind. Um, yeah. So it's, how did it feel? I think one of the questions that I wanted to ask was how did it feel when you realized that that you had to rebrand? Because I, you know, as a brand identity designer and do do brand strategy, there's a, there's a challenge. There's this, I think it's a bit of fear. I think it's a fear of the unknown and I think it's uncertainty how does it feel as a business owner when you have that moment of I think we need to rebrand yeah so you know it's not a nice feeling for two reasons one is like you have 
got used to a brand and an, you know an, an identity and then it's like ripping that identity up is, is just quite a, a bit of a weird feeling if i'm being honest to go through it the first time so on one side it was that like emotional like oh you know this is our business this is our baby uh, i don't want to uh, kind of change its name changes change its identity and it, that part was a little bit strange and then kind of with the business hat on that's where it's more frustrating because as you say it's like unsure about what that means how long is this going to take you how much resource is this going to take out the business etc and like you know you're at a stage where you just want to be building you want to be acquiring customers you want to be starting to turn on marketing but you can't do any of that when you know that your whole business is going to change you know that like everything behind your business is going to change so i think that was the bit that kind of I guess scared me a little bit and probably probably had me a bit stressed when we when we spoke towards the end of last year. Um, it was just like, oh God, we have got so much to do here. <laughs> How are we going to do all this, and what's it going to mean to you know all the broader like business objectives that we have? Did did you put it off? Did you kind of not did you like shun it to one side and kind of hope it would resolve itself? Um, I think there was probably a few weeks at the beginning where we we weren't on it as quickly as we should have been um but to be honest i i think once we realized this was you know we actually had to change our name we, yeah. we just we just kind of went for it the main reason kind of like as i said is we were basically ready to start you know to, to kind of switch on the product and start you know marketing and bring you know bringing like trying to acquire more and more customers back then but we decided we didn't want to be doing that when we you know any basically brand reg- recognition that we would have built would have been wiped out a few months later um and so that's what made us rush and so you know we completed uh, i think you know we probably completed the entire process in, in less than three months um just because we were super keen to get this done and get this done well so that we can start actually you know kind of rolling out that brand and you know like acquiring customers again testing the product again etc um so yeah if i'm being honest I, I wouldn't say we put it off i think we just um we, we just went for it straight away i think it kind of or it sounds like it fell at a the most convenient time in a way you weren't like day one startup you had that you had something there to build off or build up from um and and improve would probably be the best way of wording it yeah yeah. that rebrand had fuel if that if that's a good way to describe it yeah where did you start with it then because I'm quite intrigued. Yeah. So the very first thing that we we focused on was, you know, what what our what what should we call on our business? Um, and that that was tough. So that was actually one probably one of the biggest challenges because there are so many different directions that you can go in. But at the same time, in the financial services space, nearly everything is trademarked already. Um, yeah. And you know, we didn't want to go down the route again where we had to contest the trademark. We wanted something that we were fairly confident that we could get. We wanted something that we could own i.e you know it's not got a million different search results on google um and so you know it was quite difficult and that was probably you know we we probably spent a good month on that part alone um just you know going between different names and you know trying to figure out you know speaking to our customers but also kind of seeing how we felt about different names in different directions um yeah. so i'd say like sorry i said that was one of the first things but obviously before that we had a, a good session of like 
who actually are we? Like, what are we trying to do? Why are we doing this, et cetera? Because that kind of helped, you know, the directions that that we ended up going in. And so the name we picked, Nosso, which actually means ours in Portuguese, came from like our brainstorming in terms of like, okay, what we're doing is all about the family, all about bringing them together, changing, you know, my my money to our money, my goals to our goals, and really allowing the family to think of, of itself as a collective rather than a group of individuals. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of where we started. Um, you know, what's important to us? Why are we doing this? What are our values, etc.? And then, okay, what is a name that we feel brings that across? I love it. And that's exactly where I start with my own clients. They've, there's a whole strategy session that uncovers exactly what you've talked about there, the whys, uh, the mission and the authentic points of that brand. And you've, met, you've hit the nail on the head. The, the hardest challenge, if if it's a rebrand, not even if it's a re, Yeah, with a rebrand, it's harder than, than coming up with it from scratch, but it's naming your business. Mm. Um, it's harder to rename than it is to name because sometimes you have to take existing names into account yeah. or uh, if you're merging brands together. But yeah, finding and coming up with an original name word um, that means something that has relevance that stands out you know that you know will work in the marketplace and um, I interestingly enough had um, worked with a financial advisor to rebrand and launch a business for him and we we fabricated a word so we spent I think it was a month when you've just said that timeline the, the, the naming part took, pro, it, I think it was longer than the actual design process for the identity. But it had to, um, you've got to get it right, you know? And and part of that process, and I'm pleased you said it, is, is going away and having a little bit of time to grow accustomed to it. Like try using it in sentences, you know? See how you feel with it. Yeah. And I think the other thing as well that helped is, um, so um, we basically treated it like a baby, i.e. don't tell anyone what the name is until until it's born. Um, so even some of our investors, they only found out about the new name yesterday, which, you know, I'm sure they're not going to thank me for that. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think like with a name until you see the full brand behind it and, you know, everything associated yeah. with it, it's so hard to fall in love with a name. So we just said yeah. like, we don't want you know, to hear negative news, basically. So you're only going to find out about this when it's too late to, to do anything about it. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I would, I, I, if I'm being honest, I would recommend that as well. You know, maybe tell those that are, that are close to you, but really like, you know, everyone's got an opinion um, and you, you just don't kind of want, want all that early on. Oh, absolutely. And I advise my clients that you don't, designing by committee, as I word it, is, is incredibly bad yeah, as yeah. an idea. And you have to take ownership, you know, and lead. So I think I would, I would have encouraged you to do exactly the same because, you know, it, it is your baby in a way. And, you know, that name, you've just got to go with it. 
So I like the name. So tell. So it's Portuguese. Is that where it, the the word comes from? Then? Yeah, yeah. So we we were basically brainstorming. You know, different. We're, we're a pretty international team. Um, and so you know, once we once we landed on kind of the family, the together, you know, the hour direction, we were brainstorming a load of different words. And um, uh, yeah, when 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 someone mentioned Nosso, it was one that just kind of stuck with us. And it, it's quite a nice, like it's hard to explain, but it's quite a nice word to to look at as well. I guess is because of the you know relative apart from the n it's the it's a symmetrical word right and it's you know quite nice characters and stuff as well so it yeah. wasn't just like you know what it meant it was when we started seeing it you know with our logo mark and stuff it um it it, it felt right to us I, I know exactly what you mean and it's a perfect word it, it also doesn't jump too far in length compared to what you were which yeah. was happy yeah, yeah you know there's still a it's not a the complete pivot in the other direction of calling yourselves family wealth management or something stupid like that um apologies to anybody who has a business called that <laughs> yeah but um yeah i know what you mean there's a lot in that name a lot more than people will realize without having it explained to them yeah. but that's the beauty of a, of a brand that you don't need to have things or you shouldn't need to have things explained to you. There should just be this feeling, you know, when you engage with that brand, when you visit the site. And we'll put a, a link in the show notes. It's um, with nosso.com for anyone who wants to quickly jump on, but they'll be able to go on and have a little look. There's a feeling, there's a vibe, there's a, um, you know, an identity that sits with that brand. Um, and that, that's another thing as well. So, like the the with Nosso, we wanted it. We wanted to create this like open, you know, welcoming brand. And so we we looked at various kind of dot coms. And uh, this is kind of back to my point earlier. Like NossoWealth.com was one that we could have gone for. Um, and you could argue it like hits what we're doing. You know, on the head, everyone understands straight away what we are. But it just didn't feel like us, if, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. You know, we wanted something a lot more open, like, hey, come and invest with Nosso, you know. Um, uh, it, it just felt a bit more open. Um, so, you know, that's kind of why we went for that domain. Yeah, I, it completely resonates. And it will probably come back to the work that you did on tone of voice and that feeling of, you know, being together and always coming across as talking in that way. So... I don't know because I've not read your brand guidelines, but it's it it probably ties back to that. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So um, the design process, I, I don't want a full breakdown, but you've been through it now. Yeah. You've, you've got your name and you've rebranded, and you've. Did you say it took about three months? Yeah, I'd say like end to end. Um, we, we did rush it. And so like, you know, um, there are certain things that, you know, are, are probably not quite right at the moment. But um, yeah, I think end to end probably took about three months um, just because we really wanted to get this out by the end of Feb. Hey, it's, um, it's an achievement that, to say the least, um, especially because there was an existing brand. And now you rename. That's that's a hell of a timeline. That I think the whole uh, team's exhausted, and they're not going to thank <laughs> us for it. But uh, yeah, hopefully they can all have a bit of a breather now. I love it. Um, I think I know the answer. I think you actually hinted at it. So, would you say the naming was the hardest part of that process? Yes, I think. Um, 
I think for us, yes. Um, you know, I think a lot of the other stuff, if I'm being honest, maybe we were quite easy clients or maybe, um, you know, or maybe, yeah. But some of the stuff that we, we, we kind of saw, we just loved straight away. There wasn't one other hard decision, which was around kind of color identity. And I guess the thing that was going through our mind there and what made it so hard was like, obviously we we are we, in the finance industry. We're building a product for parents. We're building a product that wants to get their grandparents involved as well. Um, and so, you know, we need to go for a kind of trusted brand but at the same time you know we're, we're a startup we want to stand out we want to be different and that was probably the other hard 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 part of the design process how do you find the line between you know really standing out and being bold and new and different versus you know creating something that when people see they're like Oh yeah, that's probably been around for a while already. Like, um, um, yeah, that that looks that looks trustable. I'm gonna trust it with you know thousands of pounds of you know my kids' money or whatever it is. Um, that's the part. That's probably the second part that was was challenging. And so we were playing with a few different color palettes, and we ended up going with this you know deep blue, really trusted, really warm color. But then using, and I think if you if you kind of see our brand, there's a lot of different ac- accents that we bring out. My favorite, personally, being this like yellowy orange one, which which I just love. Um, and I think you know it gives us a chance to you know really really have you know, our own colors while still being true to that, you know, finance blue that you see and that you trust. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great palette. I think people should go and have a look because I, I do like it as a color palette. I'm interested from to hear just as a, a kind of some of the non-creative background like yourself, mm. if there was a point that a part that you enjoyed about the rebrand. To be honest, it's all like, you know, it's definitely busy. It's definitely stressful, but it is all quite fun because you are kind of creating something. You're really thinking about things and making correct decisions versus, you know, once again, like, you know, when we when we started Happy, we just made decisions without really thinking about what they mean and what's behind them. So I, I think it was all quite fun, if I'm being completely honest um, and, you know, really getting behind something and falling in love with something um you know it, it is enjoyable um so yeah like you know i think i'd be like like it was stressful but i you know i, I enjoyed it all uh, but I, i'm not going to be wanting to do it anytime again soon <laughs> you would have had a different answer of course if we'd done this interview in um december i think midway through a rebrand um, the, the answers would be different but that's why we waited yeah and now we've got all these insights yeah, it's I, good I, so like the biggest thing in your mind is will this be delivered on time right and that's due to internal deadlines so that's the part that's not enjoyable it's like oh god we've got a readers like we're an app-based business as well and like apps are a little bit harder to rebrand than than websites you know some of it is technical some of it is just logistical like you know the process to um submit an app to the app store we submitted it on wednesday knowing that we wanted it approved by sunday it came in at sunday at 3 a.m in the morning and we were stressed on saturday i'm not gonna lie like oh god what if this doesn't get done in time because we were doing a bit of pr around it on and and our fundraising as well and so it's just like oh god imagine if the app is still the old app people are going to get confused um and so yeah you know there are stressful parts i'm not you know i'm not going to lie and say it was all smooth sailing there is a lot of stressful parts but it's fun when you get to the other side of it it's good and i feel like 
Well, I would hope that a kind of big weight's been lifted now because you finally got um, a brand that's documented and you said you weren't even that happy, literally happy yeah. with the, the, the last brand. But this one, this is the one, right? This is, we're all behind this one. We've got our fun in and now we're on a merry merry mission right yeah and i think like you know if you speak to our designer she loves the fact that we've actually got guidelines and we can make decisions now quite quickly rather than before where we literally had to think through everything you know for hours to to kind of know like okay how are we designing this how are we designing that she's just able you know she's she's got something now that she can really work with and, and bring yeah. life and everything she does um so you know that part as well shouldn't be um under understressed or underestimated like if you're a tech business you are going to make the life for your creative team for your design team so much easier if you've actually got these you know guidelines that that will help what they do yeah guidelines are huge and you know we don't have to delve into them but i know having worked with businesses over the years on their brand having that style guide or that set of brand guidelines whether you're working with a graphic designer or whether you're working with a copywriter um, they steer really effectively or a good set of guidelines should um, how that brand appears and how it comes across and that's what you that's what you need at the stage of business that you're at you don't want to be um, sitting down with a designer and saying uh, this doesn't quite feel right. What, yeah, yeah. Is, that, is this the right colour? I don't, I don't know. You don't need that hassle, do you? No, exactly. So that's what a good set of guidelines should do for a, for a, for a business. Lovely. I've got a couple of questions. I'm looking at my time and I'm thinking, crikey, we, we've covered a lot, but I've still got two questions that I want to ask you. Okay. So I'm going to push it on. The first question is, I want you to go back in your mind 10 years to what you were doing 10 years ago <laughs> can't even think of what year it would be yeah. um what would you tell yourself 10 years ago um i think what, 10, year, 10 what years year would it be come on <laughs> yeah for 2012 i was i was working for rbs um i think there's there's kind of two parts to this question i think one is like life career wise you know what would i tell myself and i think there it's make the most of the time you I know it sounds like cliche but it kind of make the most of the time you have and I say this now as a parent of two where like time is so precious now I honestly look back at people in their early 20s and like some of the team for example in their early 20s and I'm just like when you go home after work you've got a whole other day basically <laughs> to look forward to like why are you not like you know learning something teaching like i, I don't know it's just like it, it just feels like in kind of my early uh, years um i could have done a lot more with it and achieved a lot more or at least prepared myself to achieve a lot more learned a lot more and, and so on so i say that's kind of you know the first thing take take risks as well is is kind of linked to that um you know i think i like you saying that one because if there's ever a good time to increase the level of risk you know in your 20s when you perhaps don't have as much responsibility just just do stuff you know just have a go at it yeah and obviously like my answers here are like based on me right and the type of person i am etc then they're, they're not right yeah. for everyone but like for me 10 years ago i would have like 
you know, I, I think when you're in your 20s, that's when you want to be taking a risk because if they don't work out, who cares? You've still got God knows how many years to be working. But if they oh, do no. work out, you put yourself in a very fortunate place. And that's kind of like, I, I guess that that lesson or that piece of advice is, you know, kind of relates to Tide. I, I was so fortunate to be able to take that risk and for it to, you know, open a lot of doors for me in the future. Um, a lot of people might not have taken that risk. You know, I had to take a huge pay cut. I joined a company that I don't think they even had a website. Like you couldn't find anything about them. I had to place a lot of trust in, in George, the founder at that point. Um, but it was a risk that, I, you know, I would make every single day now. And I would encourage people early in their career to make similar risks. Um, so that's probably the first part. And then, you know, yeah. I obviously work in finance and, you know, in investments. So I think I'd give myself some financial tips as well, which is like set up the basics and just leave them be. I think like I was naive in my early 20s and there are a lot of things that I didn't do right in terms of, you know, setting up my work pension, setting up an, an investment ISA. And like, I, I know I would be, a, you know, a lot more comfortable if I had done those things right from the beginning. Um, and then same point again, take risks. So you take risks with your career, you should take risks with some of your money as well, in my opinion. Um, so once again, like it should be calculated risks, but you know, I, I think now I, uh, when it comes to like financial tips to myself, I always say like, you know, keep, keep, keep some, um, money for more like financial risks that you could lose, but they could also work out and help propel you, you know, to the property ladder, for example, or to retire early or whatever it is. Or it's probably with hindsight, you would 100% say to yourself, buy some Bitcoin, will you, Yusuf? Well, to be honest, so that, was, that was the case that I was thinking of because there was one guy at RBS in, in the graduate class with me that was just like crazy into cryptocurrencies and would tell us all every day. And we were, you know, naive young bankers who thought that world was was just, you know, not the right world and what we were doing was right. Um, and yeah, I've still got Facebook messages from him and like what uh, text messages from him probably, you know, back then kind of trying to convince me to get into this unknown thing. So, you know, look for the equivalent today, put a little bit of money in it, and who, who knows where it's going to go, right? I know, and we could open up a whole conversation around NFTs, which is a world I'm delving into at the minute, yeah. but let's not, let's save <laughs> for, that. For one. another conversation. Yeah, I think so. It's a can of worms, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, love those insights. Thank, I love uh, I love hearing that. I, I just, it's part of the interview where I like to hear what people pick. So thanks for sharing those. The, um, the last question that I like to ask every guest is I always get them to pick a boldest brand that, that, to feature on the episode. And it's a brand that just means something and it does or ticks a lot of boxes for that person, for you. You know, whether it's a personal brand, a business brand, have you got a boldest brand that you want to showcase? Yes, I, I struggled a little bit with this one, if I'm being honest. But um, th there is one. And the reason I struggled is because the one that I've ended up picking, it's not actually a product that I have used personally, because um, I think it you know, started in the States, has gone to Europe now, hasn't quite come to the UK yet. Um, but I still like it is it is an example of a brand that I really admire for a few different reasons. And so the business is uh, it's an insurance business called Lemonade.com. Um, and I know, you know, you hear insurance and you think like, how, how can this be the brand that's selected? But to be honest, that's half the reason, right? Like they've taken a product that one should hate like insurance and they've they've created this this great feeling around it um and there's a few things in specific 
that that um that kind of jump out to me when I think about Lemonade and what they've achieved in their brand. I think one kind of like, you know, if, if we go with kind of the basics first, it's like, if you go on their website, if you look at their visual identity, it's very different to what you'd imagine from an insurance company. So straight away, they stand out straight away. They, you know, some of the things that I mentioned are important for us, but not so straight away they've achieved in terms of like relatable, not, not like stuffy, but like built for our generation. Um, yeah. And I think that that is important. I think they've they've done that really well in, in achieving that. The second one is also how they choose to execute their brand across across like all the different mediums. And so, if you haven't seen it, I would encourage you to have a look at their LinkedIn um, because honestly, it's just so different to anything you would have seen before. Like they don't post about. Um, in insurance basically they've got this really like brightish pink color and their entire like instagram feed is um just quite nice to look at they take this color and they apply it in different ways with different creatures and different assets etc and they have this thing if you, uh, i don't know how old it was maybe it was a few years ago maybe it was more recent where they basically dip different objects into into paint off their color um and so it's it's basically this great like brand building exercise that they're doing which is nothing related to kind of what they're doing <laughs> in terms of insurance finance whatever but yeah. you know, they're executing it really well and they're creating a slightly different you know brand than you would expect from your insurance uh company i think um, you've picked a, a fantastic brand um i'm really pleased you've picked it as well because i i pulled the screen up when you've mentioned it and then i've just gone on to the instagram account and it's it's like you've said doing all that instagram account is doing is is brand Building, building. exactly, exactly. It's doing nothing yeah. to sell you anything. It's just existing as part of the brand. And I think right? that's such a bold decision to make. Like, not many companies devote that much, um, you know, budget, I guess, or attention to to brand building. And I think the fact that they've made this conscious decision and thought, like, you know what, this is a long term play, but this will work for us. I, I think is a really bold decision. I love it. And I'm going to put the link to um, lemonade.com and their insurance website. And you can go check it out to, you know, to see exactly what we're talking about. But it's one of the first examples I've seen where someone's been brave enough to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a fantastic, but what a fantastic brand to pick. Really, really pleased with that one. And I'd say the final part of them, if you you look at them a, a little bit more, it's like they've kind of tried building their brand into their business model as well. So they're a B Corp. Um, so, you know, um, they kind of focus a lot on the doing good part as opposed to just making money um, for their shareholders. And they, they, they've got this like concept, which um, they, they I think they call it the give back, which is basically you pick a charity when you start set up with them, um, you pay your insurance premiums to them. If at the end of the year you haven't claimed um, you know, uh, against your insurance, some of that excess premium basically goes into a pot that's then given to the charity of your choice. And the reason why I think that's really good is because if you think about the insurance industry at the moment is built on like a hatred between us and the insurance provider and vice versa, where they don't really trust us and 
because they don't trust us and they don't pay our claims as often as they should, it leads to more customers trying to, you know, file fake claims, etc. But actually, yes. by 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 making by incentivizing you as a user to not make fake claims because it supports a charity of your choice, I think it creates this like interesting like dynamic between themselves and, and their customers, um, which actually you would guess should. Um, um, mean that they get less kind of you know fake claims that their team has to waste time on trying to identify if it's real or not and so you know it probably reduces their costs uh, to serve as well and i just think it's quite smart how they've done this um it's a really it? smart um, idea that yeah i think it's true to like you know i think it, it really shows that they are focusing on the the entire brand not just the visual brand and identity yeah and you know it's that um saying putting your money where your mouth is it's they are doing that and i think it's a fantastic idea and if anyone i think you could probably there must be further reaching um ways of implementing that as a um as a concept if it's not already out there mm. it will be out there yeah yeah and look i'm sure there's a million and one things that i don't know about them that that aren't great um but um but yeah like from what i've seen of them i really like no what a really fantastic way to um to wrap up that that interview i think that as a boldish brand a lot of people a lot of my guests tend to pick something that means something to them and for a valid reason but I think that because, I mean, you said you hadn't used them, but I think that the fact that you, you're just judging on face value made it even more insightful because you've only just scratched the surface of that brand and it's already had an impression on you. So I think it's brilliant. I think it's really good. Well, I'm sat looking at my timer. Where are we? Yeah. Um, we've crossed the hour. Yeah. Can you believe that? We've um, well, actually, I can't believe it. We've <laughs> we've had some really good insights, and I know we focused, as I wanted to, quite heavily on your own experience with brand. And I wanted to thank you for sharing that with myself, with the listeners that will pick up this episode. Um, and all I'm going to say really to, to close stuff is just to say thank you very much for coming on and, and sharing what you've learned over your journey um, and being on the episode. Thank you very much, Yusuf. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. No problems. So here we are, the end of another episode. Just like to say thank you very much for listening really does mean a lot if you've enjoyed the show please leave me a review love reading comments and feedback from listeners if you've been listening and think that you would like to find out if your brand has all of the key ingredients to make it stand out from the crowd don't forget to hit the links button in the player yes this player that you're listening on which will take you to my brand report and that will give you a customized report score of your brand straight to your inbox. If you'd like to find out more about myself, visit my website www.danielocock.com. Again, links are in the show notes. You can book a call with me if you'd like to discuss your next project. The show is available on all major platforms, so don't forget to hit subscribe if you'd like to be updated about future episodes. And remember, if you're not proud of your brand, then how do you expect anyone else to be? Mm-hmm.